This is now what we call the difficult second album. <laughs> last, last week, a raging success. Now, what are we going to talk about? It might be difficult because because it's questions with beers, and that's the that's the issue. Drinking beer. Well, yeah. Well, whatever. Okay, so no starting. Are you ready? Are you ready? This first mm. question for Scott Langley Sensei. So yeah. you started jujitsu when you were seven. So then yeah. you ended up doing karate. Yeah. 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 And now, one of the things, you're famous, like you don't listen to music. So <laughs> you're really present. I mean, were you sort of, did you have, were you, like I used to play football until I discovered Kung Fu. I did football every day. Yeah. Were you sort of athletic, apart from jujitsu, did you play football or rugby or something? And then, were you naturally athletic? And then, when you started doing karate, were you sort of one of those annoying people who are naturally good at it? And where do you think, where does your athleticism come from? And where you supple? And the final, so this is all in the same thing your early life. And then <laughs> that's um, five questions in one. That's, right, oh, I'll do that one. That's the one question. Then. Is it? Yeah, um, okay. Um, sorry, my, did you say I'm famously, I don't listen to music? You said to me, you don't listen to music. I don't know. Can't stand it. Like, it's well, just, I, you're it's, the only person I know, apart from my Taliban friends. You can't stand music. I didn't realise I was famous for it. Well, you're famous with me. Okay. Um, there's so many things. It is odd. I mean, most people watching this will listen to music. I'd like to. It may shock people to 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 find out that I've never actually bought a record or a <laughs> CD or a cassette. Or yes. anything. So, like, if 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 I'm in a bar and like it's it's noisy, well, people call it music, but it's noisy and I can't hear what people are saying, and uh, and uh, it's just a pain in the ass. I can't I can't stand it. Uh, I've 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 been to a few concerts dragged uh, by uh, my uh, yes, I remember and, and my it. wife. But uh, yeah, that's it. Yeah. So, uh, um, so back to the question. Um, yeah, I started jujitsu when I was like five, but like, and, and then um, I did that, and then my parents moved about, and like, and I followed them. So uh, then I landed on karate when I was like ten, and then started properly when I was about eleven, twelve. But um, yeah, right, like right, right the way through from ten years old, I played hockey. Ah, uh, yeah, yeah. And um, I swam also. Like, so I've always so when I was in Liverpool, I swam, and I I used to be on the Liverpool training squad. So I used to represent Liverpool for sport. I didn't represent Liverpool. I was on the squad, and I was just too young. Like they didn't kind of like uh, kind of compete at that that age. Uh, but I was I was swimming uh, two hours a day, five days a week after right, school. Yeah. Yeah, right. Yeah, um, that, that dreadful going funny silver hair type swimming. Yeah, yeah. yeah four, four till four till six pm every every day through the week. Um, when I was seven, eight, nine years old, um, and then then when we left Liverpool, I start I I quit swimming. I didn't swim ever again, kind of competitively, and uh, and I started playing hockey. And I played hockey from then right the way up until my first year at university. So for a good ten years. 
and I was county level. And by the time I got to Liverpool, uh, by the time I got to uh, university, I um, I was the only fresher. I was only the, fir- the only first year um, university student to go straight to the first team. And I was playing with um, under twenty one England uh, team members. So I, yeah, I, I was. I was playing, yeah. So how did that, like, when you went to karate, did you did you you already had this? When I started karate, I had no physicality. I was weedy and skinny, blah blah blah. Yeah. You had this physicality, and then yeah. I mean, standard question: Did karate come relatively easy for you? Yeah. Especially the stretching, because no one no one stretched it in those days, even in your yeah. day. So were you could you were you relatively supple too? Yeah, I was always flexible. But you know, like I've got an identical twin brother. As well, you yeah. know. Yeah. I often joke, joke. Well, I, I say I joke, but he thinks I'm just winding him up. But I yeah. joke, and because we're identical, we're clones. And I say, look at what you wasted. You could, you could end up living doing t- 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 karate. Yeah, but he, uh, he has a whole better living doing other things. Um, yeah. So I don't know. He doesn't have the same flexibility as me. So I think we had a natural ability to be flexible but then i pop the work and you like like anything i'm just reading a really good book actually at the moment that um dr barry sheen uh lent me uh and the name of it i can't remember uh but um but it's all about kind of like the 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 genetics of of sport um and nature versus nurture and all that kind of stuff uh, i'm only halfway through but it's a really interesting book but the under well or the underlying th- uh, th- theory of it is that for sure there are uh, trainability traits within people and there are for sure um, natural abilities within people um, and it's and it, it's often a balance between both but uh, you'll often get kind of really uh, natural talented people but they, they fail to kind of improve rapidly whereas you'll get kind of people who are trainable as in they have that ability to train and they will in, um, show improvements right way through their career so i'm not too sure what what i'd come under but um but for sure i i i i i do know that i have that trainability because all i do is train and love training and it's part of my dna and that is what kind of has kept me going and if i don't stretch for example i do feel myself getting stiff so i'll go through periods of kind of quite a lot of it uh, stretching to get my flexibility back. Yeah, but you told me about magnesium, didn't you? Because I've been doing yeah. magnesium recently. Because I, I mean, I, I, I've always stretched as well. Mm. But it's all. I mean, I think sometimes it's like the hard one stuff is 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 better. I mean, yeah. I, like you and me, we know people now who are like you know who are naturally good and or naturally talented, and they, very few of them fulfil the potential, really. Yeah. Yeah, like uh, for sure. Like I've 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 had you know kids in the dojo who yeah. are extremely talented. And I've had kids that just struggle along, you know, like my dojo has been going now for 18 years, coming up to 18 years. And like, for sure, the ones who are naturally talented very rarely make it. Yeah. It's actually the car horses, really. It's people put the work in yeah. there. Yeah. yeah. So, um, yeah, like, I guess, I guess uh, I, I, above all else, I, I think I have the ability to train. This and is the, my supplementary question then to this one. Yeah. Is that if, if you hadn't done what you've done with karate, you probably would have gone, would you have gone into the military? Yeah. Yeah, I can see it. <laughs> I wanted to, so my, like my plan, my plan was to, to go into the, to the army. And yeah. I, I, I always wanted to go to special forces. Oh. I always wanted to be the, the SAS. 
and still yeah. do. Ah, Jim no. Lake Tuesday. No, the TA territorial army. <laughs> I think you've been very good in it. Yeah, <laughs> but I mean, it's interesting because so you brought that physicality to your karate. Yeah, yeah. I was always, I was always kind of, um, I was always kind of much more in my body than my my head, you know, and um, like, like, but yeah, for sure. Like, like the one thing that my brother is, my brother is. Um, like I'm, I, I would argue that I'm a bit dyslexic. Um, like, and I, I was, we were both, both my brother and I were tested, and I think he was cleared, and I was like borderline. And I can see it in my daughter. My daughter kind of uh, is, is, uh, is mildly dyslexic. And the more dyslexic you are, and you know, you'll, you'll kind of, uh, kind of see this. I thing. know about this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, um, but like the more dyslexic you are, the more prone you are to kind of to be more physical. And like you also kind of uh, go to more engineering and logical kind of things. So I'm quite logical in, in the way I, I think. I'm also quite kind of, um, for example, I look at karate in a biomechanical way. Yeah. And, and when I teach, I teach in a thematical way. It's all kind of structure. And, and that's um, and, and when I train, I do the same thing, you know. So, so I, I, think, I think maybe just like my whole makeup, Kind of uh, DNA makeup is is about kind of being in my body and having structure and kind of looking at things in an engineering, biomechanical, scientific, logical way. Yeah, it's like the you know Zen, the two types of people in Zen and the art of motorcycle maintenance. It's funny you know. I'm the romantic type, and you're mm. like the boring type who does everything properly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay. Well, that's pretty much question one done. That's question one. Okay, well, nice segue, Sarah Sensei. Um, I have a, I have a first question and then a supplementary question. Okay, moving Zen versus Zen and the mart- uh, the art of motorcycle and maintenance. maintenance. Uh, which is your favourite go to book out of those two, uh, yes. and uh, and why? I know that's a hard question, but hey, no, it's not. It's not it's easy. Moving Zen is a really is a great book and it's easy to read. Yeah. It's one man's crest on a path for gentleness. So it's about, it, it's, it's beautifully written, set in its time. I mean, I've read it a hundred million billion times. I read it when the first time I read it, it like set off all these light bulbs in me. And it's a perfect, it's like set in amber, isn't it? Yes. Yeah. And 1963, four, whatever, beautifully written. And, you know, and it's a timeless book in a, a world that's long gone. Yeah. You know, and... Zen and the Art of Motorcycle Maintenance is a philosophical book, you know. So the first, the, 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 it's a quote from Plato at the top, you know, what is good and what is not good? Do we need to ask these things? Wow. Great question. You yeah. know, and, you know, you, can, you can't say it depends, you know, and it, it, it's, it, it's, so, you know, it, it, it's, a, it's, a, it's, it's a meditation on quality. And we know we, we've talked about this, one of my favourite books. So, yeah. you know, if, if you want a nice read, I think this is a good point because, it, you know, it, it's a bit like how serious do you want to go into this? You know, mm. I've been reading a lot about Karate Do recently. You know, and Karate Do is like, you know, it, it's philosophy. So yeah. Zen and the Arts of Maintenance is a great book. And, you know, the whole thesis of quality is brilliant and types of people. I mean, you and me are the complete opposites. You know, I am very much the romantic person, you know, very unpractical, blah, 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 blah. And I have that mode. You're like, you know, the boring person who does it. So I would say, um, you know, Zen and the Art of Maintenance is a hard read, you yeah. know, and you 
something you've got to want to read it, and it involves. That's the reason I did philosophy. I mean, the thing about that book was, I mean, I, I there's, you know, there's the other side. I mean, I love motorbikes around around in the area. I was about 16, 17. I really got into motorbikes, and I was into kung fu. So this book came out called Zen: The Art of Motorcycle Maintenance. Oh, brilliant! It'll be about kung fu and motorbikes. <laughs> and then very early on, Percy says, you know, this book has very little to do. <laughs> it has more to do about motorcycle maintenance than Zen, actually. But no, so I, um, but let's say, and this might come back to one of my questions later on, it's not for the faint-hearted. It, it's a serious book. And I'd, I'd recommend it to everybody. Yeah. But it's, you know, it's a philosophical work and it's not an easy read. And, but certainly uh, you, me and Rick Hotton, I mean, when Rick stayed with me, he just said to me, hey, Simon, we've got the same books. You know, and, and you know, his karate is a good example of quality. Really. Yeah. And the whole thing, when you read about quality, it does blow your mind. And yeah. then going back to Plato, you know, in terms of karate, we can see what's good. You know, yeah. but, you know, and this may be the question I've got maybe for you later on, you know, lots of people can't. Yeah. We've had conversations about people, you know, you know, about who do things on Facebook or on, on YouTube, mm. and we look at it and go, "Oh, that's really good, but it's not karate." Yeah. Uh, so it has to be then uh, the sort of motorcycle maintenance with the sort of caveat that you want to read a great book about karate, read Moving Zen. You mm. want to read a really good book about philosophy, read Zen and the Art of Motorcycle Maintenance, and. I would argue, though, that if if you really wanted to understand how to become good at karate, then Zen and the automated motorcycle maintenance is going to give you far more information or equipment or just a way of thinking about karate. Yes, definitely. I just I think maybe I'm being a snob. I think I think you just need to make that. You know, I remember a while ago, years, a few years ago, now someone was talking to me about they love to film Seven Samurai. They love to film the Last Samurai. Yeah. And I just, well, if you really want to know about samurai films, you know, watch Seven Samurai. Yeah. And they go, oh, well, that's got subtitles. And it's a bit like it, it, being serious. If you're serious about that, yeah, Zen the Mountain, you know, yeah, there's a great book about when he goes to a shop to get his bike fixed. And he, and, and they've, got, they've got music on and all the guys are chatting and laughing. And he goes, well, he goes these guys aren't going to fix my bike. Yeah. You know, I want to fix my bike to like it. You know, if you go to anywhere in Japan, they're not going to have music on. They're going to be like, they're going to do yeah. it. No, you yeah. Know. yeah, no, you're quite right. Yeah, and he also talks about you know they're going into the mountains in in, in Montana, and the people in the BMW don't bother changing the changing the carbs, but mm. he knows the air's how he changes he changes the jets on the car because it's because he's doing everything properly. Yeah, yeah. Again, that's in terms of karate and martial arts. It's like we have to have that. The devil's in the detail, isn't it? Yeah, for sure. Yeah, yeah. We're not. How many times have we seen people or? You know, they just look at you and go, you're mad because, well, you know, you think about your front knee, why are you doing that? <laughs> you know, I just want to have a BMW, press the button and go. It's the agglomeration of marginal gains. There you go. Yeah. Like the, the, all, all, all the essence of Zen. <laughs> yeah, I mean, like that That line is is uh, is from the Olympic coach of the uh, 2012 uh, uh, GB cycle team. Yeah, yeah it is. Yeah, the sky, they've got his... Uh, his name now. No, I can't remember his name. Uh, no, but I mean, he, he invented kind of, well, he, he came up with the marginal gains. Because before that in cycling, everyone took loads of drugs. <laughs> and then the, the next, oh, his name will come by the end of it. Yeah. He was the, well, they always stay in crap French hotels. 
Yeah. Just hope because Tour de France, millions of people. Yeah. You know, and he basically got a sky bus and they had their own chefs and their own oh, really? their own beds. So uh-huh. instead of staying in like the travel lodge in Rouen, they'd stay in the sky massive big bus. Yeah. And, yeah. So he was the beginning of all that. Uh, yeah. I always think that's what Brailsford, Brailsford. Sorry? David Brailsford is oh, okay. Yeah. Cool. Question to that is is for you. What is Zen? Oh, that's you. That's a question you can't ask. Yeah, <laughs> I know, but I have. So, what do you want? You see the trouble? I'm a smart ass. <laughs> I wouldn't be talking to you if you weren't. Come on. Well, give, give me a second. Give me a second. Because I, uh, I tell you, this is my favourite Zen joke. There's a, there's a book called Zen Flesh, Zen Bones. And this is why I love Rick Jackson, by the way. And I love Jamie Rick Jackson, because he is a Zen master. But uh, this is just a joke, but this kind of sums up Zen. So this is a book called Zen Flesh, Zen Bones, 60s book by Paul Reps, all Zen riddles and coins. And three monks, three monks take a vow of, a vow of silence. They're going to sit and meditate for 12 hours without speaking. They sit in the Zendo, the hall, and after an hour, one of the candles go out. But one of the monks says, oh, the candle's gone out. The second one says, you've just spoken. The third one says, I'm the only one who hasn't said anything. <laughs> it's a great joke. It's just a joke. It's not my joke. Honestly, this is a Zen joke. <laughs> okay, there's two answers to this. Zen is really boring. Okay, so most forms of Buddhism, uh, Theravada Buddhism has incredibly good mindfulness of breathing. They have Vipassana. They have actual, you know, meditative. Tibetan Buddhism have visualizations, loads of them. So their, their meditation is really interesting. Zazen from Full Body Dharma is just sitting. Mm. You sit facing a wall with your eyes a little bit open, and that's it. So it's a it's like the most extreme form of of. I I mean I'm sure, to be honest I don't like Zazen. I much yeah. prefer I much prefer Thai meditation because it gives you a gives you a goal. It's a little bit like sit in front of a wall and you'll sort it out. And the yeah. Japanese version, of course, they'll hit you with a stick. To wake you up, you know, Japanese Zen is, you know, that was pretty horrible, really. I think, yeah. you know, it's hardcore and horrible. Um, so, I mean, that's. Uh, uh. <laughs> like ultimately, they're, they're the two ways to to find Zen. But for you, what is what is the goal then? Well, I'm not. I, uh, I'm not a Zen Buddhist, you know. I mean. I, uh, no, I'm interested. I mean, okay. I mean, it's it's about now. It's living in the now. Yeah. You know, you know, um, you know. Um, Lenny Bruce, the comedian, said, "You can only talk about what is what is happening now." And you know, it's, so, it's, everything is about now. So Ichigo Ita is a great Zen thing. Mm. So basically, one point. So you sit meditating, one point, yeah. and that's it. I think we've talked about this before, you know, people spend hours and hours and hours doing meditation. But I mean, maybe the beauty of Zen is just to live the moment. Yeah. I'm not happy, I'm not happy with any of that. Yeah. But, yeah. I remember I was talking about this this morning to the guys, actually. Um, yeah. I don't know why we were on about it, but I remember when I was, uh, like, my parents owned uh, a pub when I was growing up, so I lived in a pub. And, oh. uh, and so when I was, like, 17, 18, I, I started working behind the bar. 18. And um, yeah. and I, I 
I, I took a year out from A levels to university uh, to save up enough money to go to Japan, and, right. uh, and so I used to work in the bar and I used to do the lunch lunch hour shift uh, for yeah. a whole year. And uh, there was a, a guy uh, called George who used to come sit at the end of the bar, have his three half pints of bitter, uh, and then he'd waddle off home, you know. And and I, I, he became a really good friend you know like i used to chat to him and i was 18 he was 78 maybe i don't know um and um and i'd, I'd, I'd often joke i say oh come on i wish it was three o'clock and get you out of here and then go upstairs and you know do nothing basically um, and he'd uh, in his yorkshire accent he'd go hey lad don't wish away your life and, and and like it was just one of those throw throw away uh, comments but he said it enough for me eventually to go, I know what you mean. And, yeah. and, and just being, I mean, in his own unique way, just be present, just be yeah. here, just be now, just experience this moment right now. And I, that was a really important lesson at 18. Because yeah. just trying to, you know, hurry through your life so you can get on with things, right? It's also, you know, correct taste, you know, correct, you know, it's emptiness. Yeah. It's just letting things go. Yeah. Let, 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 you know, I mean, then the big thing, you know, in Funakoshi, it was, you know, karate, it was tang, it was yeah. Chinese. He changed it, you know, to literally a, from the, the, um, the, the heart structure. The heart structure is, you know, is uh, uh, form is emptiness. Uh, no, yeah, no, uh, form is void, void is, void is form. Something yeah. like that. Yeah. But basically, you know, he, he literally did that. And it was about accepting, accepting things as they are and emptiness and having no attachments. Yeah. So it's a deeply, you know, it's, it's, I think no attachment is good. Yeah. You know? um, yeah. So, but, you know, what, what, you know, I tell you what, the other thing they did, another great story is that uh, it's like, like Doga, the Zen master, asks his student, what is Zen? And do and, and Doga's student picked up his sandal and hit him on the head and he went, exactly. Really? I don't get that. Yeah, no, I mean, I'm not joking. This is, I talked to Rick Jackson. Ask, ask Rick Jackson that question. Okay. And Rick Jackson says he will give a better answer than me. Okay. But again, like all these things, it's not you know you know you know I, I don't like sound sound bite stuff. You know, mm. so loads of people you know you know go oh yeah my karate zed. You know these things are not taken lightly. And yeah, mm. I, I know Rick, Rick Jackson says it is a, is will do zazen. I've trained with him up to do zazen at the end of the class. You know, there's no you know you know there's there's no cushion or anything, and you just you just just sit. Yeah. So Zazen is just sitting, and possibly the essence of Zen is just sitting. Yeah. Cool. Now, I'll do one more story about that, about Buddhism, which I really like. There's a okay. guy called Ajahn Chan, who's, a, who's, a, who's a, he's got food for the heart. He's a Thai Buddhist, Thai Buddhist monastery stuff. And he's just brilliant, you know. He's always laughing. He's dead now, but he's always laughing. Funny. And only a lot of foreigners did proper Zen. And an American scholar of Buddhism came to see him. And said, "What are your thoughts about the uh, about the diamond structure?" He goes, "I don't know. I've never read it." And I love that. And, and he goes, "You know, how much meditation do you do?" And she was like an academic in Princeton, so he goes, "Oh, yeah. I've never meditated." And he goes, "Oh well, you know, <laughs> you're not really a Buddhist." <laughs> yeah. So it's a bit like you know people who do karate, you know, who can talk about everything, but don't really do karate that much. Yeah. I know that there is a lot of that, isn't there? People people sit around talking about how how we should live our lives rather yes. than living their lives. Yeah. I think that's well, that's what, you know, going back to my book, Bert, I mean, you know, I just don't like empty slogans. Yeah. 
you know, because you know, it's like you know, it's like you know, you get it all the time on Facebook, and you know, we're going back to what I said last week. You are what you do, you know, and um, people have this narrative in their head that you know, I, I'm a Zen Buddhist or I'm a Buddhist, and you're not. That's why I say I'm not a Buddhist. Yeah. Okay. Right. My question. Okay, give us a second. So this is a sort of okay. So you did anthropology at university. I did. Hey, how? I mean, how did that happen? And did that help you cope with the cultural minefield that was living in Japan and being but, part of a, a mini sort of social group in Japan? It might have done if I'd paid attention at university. <laughs> <laughs> so did you just did you just polish your wazo when you're at university? Yeah, uh, in many ways. Um, so, you know, why did you do anthropology? What drew you to that? Yeah, so so I I was always um, a uh, you know human sciences kind of guy. So um, I, it was actually a joint honours degree in geography and anthropology. So I did um, I did uh, I went to Keele University in Staffordshire, and which specialises and famous for doing only dual honours degrees. So you, you always did a double major, and. Um, and so I did geography, which was like my best subject uh, at school and, and also my favorite subject. Uh, and also I wanted to do kind of a sociology, social science kind of thing. Uh, and so the degree actually was uh, uh, social anthropology. And, uh-huh. and it I did was... that as a subsidiary. Say again? I did that as a subsidiary. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah, it's yeah. good. Oh, it was yeah. fantastic. It was fantastic. So I was doing, I was doing like the, the, the anthropology of witchcraft and the uh, the anthropology of of uh, gift giving and yeah. um, and like the anthropology of of sea monsters and lake monsters and what what they, what they what they cleverly did in that course was was really show the the fundamental similarities between between all cultures all cultures have wedding ceremonies uh, birth ceremonies death ceremonies all all um, I did that. Do you remember the, that? Let's yeah. say on the incest taboo. All cultures have an incest taboo. Yeah, 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 yeah. So fun, fundamental core to to who we are and what we are. And then and then also then you could see what wasn't. So I did an anthropology of of, of humour. So there's some tribes in Africa who think the height the height of humour humour is picking up some cow dung and throwing it at someone. They think that's hilarious. Slapstick's one of the seven forms of comedy. Yeah. So, so like, what it, what it was really good at, I think, is just making you a little bit more empathetic, and and going, you know what? Like, it made you not ethnocentric. It made yeah. you not see the world only through your own eyes, but to see the world, world through other people's eyes, and then broaden your your ability to empathise and and not be kind of just you know, um, yeah, mono ethnocentric, um, and. And so, did that help me when I was in Japan? I'd already been to Japan before, like I'd spent a month there before university. We'll ask about that in a minute, so don't answer that yet. So, so I had some inkling of what Japan was like, and um, and I guess, I guess there was a lot of things that I looked at whilst at university in the in the the small amount of studying that I did do that I kind of maybe you, obviously you kind of can compare it to your own life experiences, and part of that life experience was 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 Japan. So, were you um, interested in Japan? Though? Oh yeah, yeah, completely. Yeah. yeah, 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 completely. Yeah, I I did a subsidiary in Japanese. Uh, one of my closest friends was Japanese. He was right. a, a kendo guy from uh, Osaka uh, that we I became really close with. Uh, right. And so yeah, like for sure. And 
and when I went to Japan, I guess there was just an ability to kind of cope maybe a little bit more yeah. than, than other people that I knew who went at the same time. Were you aware, I mean, aware of, like, Geary and all that kind of stuff? Was I yeah. You, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So you knew kind of, like, you know, yeah. Mm. Yeah, yeah. But I, I never really kind of... They're the kind of... Um, they're the landmarks of the of the culture, right? Yeah. Like, uh, like we have Giri. And, and St. Patrick yeah, yeah, yeah. so, so I never, like a lot of people, yeah, a lot of people when they see, look at Japanese culture, they look at the other. They try to look at what's different. Whereas yeah. I just saw similarities. I'm yeah. just focused well, on I that. Agree with you. I mean, you know, in all my travels, you find that people are people. They all yeah. cliche. People yeah. People, you know, yeah. but I think we, we, we like the other, don't we? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, like you said last week, you want Japan to be like, you know, all tinkly temples and blah, 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 you know. Yeah. Yeah, there is a sense of that. But, like, I think when you're trying to connect, you don't. You want them to be, like, there's, there's a, I think, visiting, you want to see the other, you want the, it's the spectacle of it that, that makes uh, things interesting. But when you're there living, trying to connect, it's the similarities, I think, that you're looking for. But when you were in the dojo, I mean, you were, you know, you, you were sort of like Kohai and your place in that. Because that, I mean, doing, living, you know, spending your time at the JKS, that was a massive cultural anthropological experience, wasn't it? Yeah. <laughs> I don't think I was so much thinking about that at the time. I don't think I was thinking, oh, this would make a great book someday. Yeah. <laughs> I was too busy no. trying to block. But you, um, didn't need, you didn't need to, like, try and fit in. Because you know you can make you know you know you, you make you make great folk you make massive folk cars everyone makes folk cars yeah but it wasn't minefield was I did yeah I did I did I think I fitted in like I kept my head down more than yeah. maybe other people before all the foreigners that had gone before me yeah. um, for sure like I can't say that for certain I like I know one or two that that uh, I in comparison to I kept my head down more than they did yeah. um, that's what I've been told. Um, and, and that was just a, I, well, it was a survival mechanism. Like, keep your head down, keep your mouth shut, let's just get through this day. But I think I also had the understanding of how to keep my mouth shut. You know what I mean? Yeah, like, yeah. I understand that, okay, I recognise that this is a different culture. Uh, well, it's just, you know, it has different aspects of this culture than Western dojos or Western society. And in this circumstance, doing this or saying that would be a faux pas. I mean, I did that didn't always succeed because I made huge faux pas. But generally speaking, kept my mouth shut, kept my head down, got through the day, that was it. Whereas other people would go, oh, Sensei, what, uh, sorry, what, what are you doing there? That kind of thing, you know? Uh, yeah. Like, no way. How was I going to do that, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Well, well. Okay. That, yeah, so can I ask you a question? Now? I think so, yeah. yeah. Okay. Uh, what still excites you about karate? Ooh. Well, okay, the number one thing that excites me, which is the biggest challenge, is to keep doing it. Yeah. You know, like, you know, you know, may I've said this last week, my, you know, yeah, to, to keep doing it, really. I mean, and, and the other thing I'm, I'm, I'm looking, I'm doing, I'm still very excited by uh, Goju Ru. I've been doing a bit of Goju in the garden again, just because yeah. they mainly because the cat is a bit more suitable but, you know, I, I quite enjoy doing Goju Kata. And so 
that keeps me excited. Mm-hmm. And just people, I suppose. I mean, I love the energy that, you know, as a group now, I love the energy that we've got. Yeah. And kind of think other people keep me going because most of the time, you know, it's not about me anymore, which is quite good. You know, in my yeah. head, it's always about me. And I, went, I remember seeing Onigar Sensei um, last time we were in Japan. And like, I had a little chat with him. I mean, it was a very, very, very basic thing. But he said, How old are you? I said, So and so. And I said, I can't do Cesar. You couldn't do Cesar. And it's a bit like, I mean, I'm becoming more of a coach, more of a sensei, really. So I yeah. realized I don't, I don't have to do it all anymore. Huh. It's sort of bittersweet because I like doing it all. So, but, yeah. So, yeah. You know, yeah. No, so I think that keeps it going. And I, I still love martial arts. So, mm. like, that's, the, you know, the other thing is I, I kind of, you know, I like karate, but I like all martial arts, so that keeps me going. You know, I, I love Shuinji Kempo. We did Shuinji Kempo, absolutely loved it. You yeah. know, and absolutely love Goji Ru, absolutely love Shitoru, Weishi Ru. I just like, I just like, and I like training. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, I'm I, I doing more, more and more weights at the moment, which I'm really enjoying. It's a new challenge, still running, you know, but running again in a new way. So just like training, yeah. But, so yeah, I'm just my 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 thing is just keep going. Yeah. I'm not bored by it, and I still I'm looking for something new. I'm looking. I wish I wish there was a, some good other, other teachers around here who could teach me. I don't know white crane kung fu or something. Yeah, you know what I mean. I quite like if there's a good Shinji Kenpo club, I join that. Yeah, what well, so to to add that extra element to your course. You know, yeah. just for fun, really, just for the sheer fun of. I like move, you know, for the. I mean, hot yoga. I'm going back to hot yoga when we all go out and lockdown. I think that's the that's the best thing I can do. Yeah, it, it's good for me. So, um, I think like you, it's just what we do, isn't it? Yeah. You know, I think what, what happened the other day, and you know, I, I'm not. You know, people slow down, don't they? People don't take it easy. No. Slow down. My mum was like that. You know, my mum. I used to go. I used to run around Sefton Park in Liverpool like every day. And I come back like sweating. Oh, take it easy, son. I go, no. You know, <laughs> my dad, my dad had a heart attack and smoked forty bags. I said, look, mum, I'm healthy. You know, I just so yeah. So I just love it, really. Yeah. I can't, I can't imagine not doing it. If I didn't do it, I'd be very, very depressed, like you. Yeah. You know, cool. I mean, you know, I mean, well, 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 I'll put that question back to you. But what about you? Um, I think what excites me, I think. Um, like uh, training, I think training, especially like it's been really kind of become very uh, like highlighted to me over the last three months while I've been locked down. Just like having the ability, to, first of all, I've had so much more time to train and yeah. more energy to train just because I haven't been traveling, yeah. um, and so I've really kind of directed that into training, um, and I just get. The, the small nuances, the small kind of like um, feelings and, and uh, kind of connections and and then that kind of spawns like a dozen ideas of, of oh, well, this means that and that connected to that and, and seeing the connections through all of it um, and, and then trying to kind of in a thematically way present that in my classes um, and, and going through that constant cycle of, of training discovery understanding explanation and that constant the constant flow of of being within my body and then trying to in some sort of way academically yeah. explain it 
Well, yeah, because you know when you did that Taking Eden class and you did shot butter and baseball. Oh, yeah. ah, great. And I, I've been teaching, I did Canker Shell the other day on my Zoom class. And I got the same feeling, you know, a lot of people do campus, you put their hands up there and go there. And I really enjoyed this feeling of getting that connection and coming in from the hip. Yeah. So it's just that, isn't it? Yeah. I mean, I mean yeah. you know, it's, it's a bit like what Steve Rubel does only, you know, it's like, it's, I think the devil's in the detail. Maybe that'd be my, my other epitaph, really. Yeah. I'm really enjoying, when I first started karate, it was just, I remember very, I had a duffel bag and I stuffed it, stuffed duffel bag, like I put it in a, a screw. And I went kibadachi and punched it. And it was like really not powerful. And yeah. then I did like a big sort of wacky punch and it was like kind of flew off. And that was, you know, and there was a bit like, oh, wait a minute, but this is rubbish. And then it's a bit like you can enjoy that, enjoy the movements. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, that, that, that techie knee down thing you did, I, I really enjoyed it. And it was yeah. playful. It was really yeah. playful. Uh, I think maybe, yeah, I think that, that play, play, playing is good, isn't it? Yeah, I think I think people forget, like especially people who've been teaching for a long time rather than training, they forget that like the joy is is being in their body and and being connected and and feeling alive and, yeah. and everything that makes you think about. I get that from running, you know. Yeah. I really get that. I I, I never had I have no music and I run and that that whole movement and cycling now as well. Just yeah. it's wonderful. Yeah. A, bit, a bit like a Zen movement, is it? Might be. Cool. Okay. Is it my? Oh no, your turn. How is it? Or my turn? Oh my turn. Okay. Hang on. Yes. Okay. Okay. Here we go. All right. Now. Okay. So. Right. So. Uh, Kato Sensei died. And uh, let's not talk about him as a character. But can you tell me about Kato Sensei's karate? How it affected you and your first Japan trip? Yeah. Uh, all right. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Well, um, I mean, I have, mis- I have misgivings, to be honest, talking about Kato Sensei. But, you know, he was the first Japanese Sensei I ever saw, and he was yeah. unquestionably amazing. So you tell me about it, yeah? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, like, um, yeah, Kato Sensei was, were, yeah, my first ever. Well, he wasn't my first instructor. I, had a, I started in a dojo which uh, with an instructor called Howard Milson, who was a fit down at the time, who is still, uh, I was kind of a very close friend and is amazing. and. Very- Huh? Is he still training? Uh, he, no, like he doesn't. He, he stopped when I went to university. He, he closed the club down. He went. He went right. That's it. I've I've uh, given but back to karate. Yeah. Yeah. Like he was. He was like, yeah. Like like uh, Scott. I've given Scott to the karate world. That's it. I'm done. It is something like that. And uh, but he still kind of does stuff. Still moves. Still really fit. He's sixty. Jesus, he'll be seventy next year, I think. Uh, still super fit, super strong. One of the funniest people I know. I don't like him. <laughs> He's hilarious. Uh, brilliant. I mean, and so, so anyway, he was my first instructor. But then uh, he was the top student of Kato Sensei. And then so from, like, like from all my grades, and very early on, I was training with Kato Sensei as well. And uh, what Kato Sensei was great at was seeing patterns. And so without a shadow of a doubt, I learned how to teach from him. I mean, I learned lots of other things from him. But he would he would take one idea, one pattern, whether it be a keyhole drill and or committee drill or whatever, he took a pattern and say say a keyhole drill, and then he would find ways to show how that would work in committee or show how that existed in kata. 
and not only one cutter, but a whole host of cutter. And he would he would weave he would weave this kind of like theme through not only an hour's class, but like a whole weekend, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, 10, 15 hours of training would just be this kind of relentless kind of constant idea. I mean, maybe I'm romanticizing it a little bit, but for sure he was he was an absolute genius. I mean, I've been on courses with him. Yeah. And where did he get that from? Because like, I came with Anoida Sensei, and the best of the world, Anoida Sensei was fantastic, but he didn't yeah. do that. No. I think I think in many ways that, that was that was his genius, and, and I think it produced a lot of jealousy. I mean, there's a whole host of other things, obviously, that, that went on with Kata Sensei that, that um, made him be the black sheep of the family. Uh, but but in, in no small way, I think it was his talent that, that really added yeah, to that. You took this course, did you either? Say him. He never did the instructor's course. He did six weeks. Right. So um, he, from what I understand, and like there's a whole, you know, like if you read online, there's lots of different histories. And certainly there's a lot of people, that, uh, a lot of uh, websites now that, that would claim that he did the instructor's course. He, he didn't. He, he was uh, from Kochi in uh, Shikoku uh, and trained there. And then he went to Takashuka University as a rugby player. Right. And for the first three years of university, he trained and played for the rugby team. Yeah. And he was fanatical about rugby, he loved rugby. Uh, and it was only in his last year that he um, he went and, and uh, trained with the karate club. But he was talented, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. He was very talented. And, um, and then he moved to Germany and he was working for an import-export company in Germany. Um, and job. Proper job, yeah. Uh, this yeah. is uh, probably early 60s, I guess. And then he was teaching karate, I think, part-time. And then the karate boom ha happened. And because of the Takashuku University, Anoida Sensei asked him to come over to England and assist him because he yeah. needed help. And yeah. he was in Germany, blah, 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 Takashuku, blah, blah, blah. Okay, come and help me. Uh, and that's when he started teaching full-time professionally. Uh, but in between Germany and going to England, I think he went back to Japan for six weeks and trained on the on the JK uh, instructor's course. And I remember him saying it was crazy. They were all trying to kill him. Yeah, he had a job, you know, and he had, he, he was just there for six weeks, and uh, and then he was going off to teach full time, you know. So I guess they gave him a hard time. But but it, yeah, it's I think I'm not wrong in saying that he only did six weeks. But, but then also, like you said, he never talked after training. He never talked about karate, like golf and stuff. But, he, you know, he, he, he sort of expressed himself in the classes, didn't he? And then afterwards, yeah. he never talked about it. No, he, I think he was one of those guys that... Now, he, there were times where he would, he would talk very seriously about karate. Like, yeah. for sure, he loved karate. Yeah, and, yeah, yeah. And, I, you know, I used to, I used to be at his house... Well, so, like, so the reason why I went to Keele University in, in Staffordshire was because it was 14 miles away from his house. Mm -hmm. and, uh, and so that's specifically why I went to that university. And so for the four years that I was at university, I was basically at his house, you know, well, I was there at least twice a week. Yeah, I mean, most weekends I would be with him going around uh, different teaching different places, assisting him, blah, blah, blah. And, and he always had some obscure karate book in his hand, studying it reading yeah. but but i never saw him train once he was, one of those, 
he was one of those guys who like go back to that book that we talked about before. If you have the, the trainability gene and the just the natural talent gene, he was one of those, those guys who was just naturally talented. And no, and I suspect no matter how much training he did, he probably wouldn't improve. He was just boom, straight out of the package works, that's the way it is. But for sure he trained his mind and he was constantly studying. And he had a relationship with Astai Center? Yeah. It's obviously that you can see it, can't you? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you know, I mean things like a lot of the Asai Kata, I mean Kata like Kiba Ken, like yeah. you know, he, he added to them, didn't he? So Do you think or not? Oh yeah, I mean for sure like Kata Sensei Kata Sensei could he could see a cutter once. Like, I'm not really making this up, but he could see a cutter once and be able to repeat it. Yeah. You're, you're a bit like that. A little bit. I, I, three times. I, had to, I, need to, I need to physically do it three times and I'll remember it. Yeah. Like, like maybe I'm... Like he, once, he once told me that... He once told me that, oh, you just had to see a cutter once and you'd remember it. Now, I suspect that's a bit exaggerating. The, this, I suspect that maybe if he did it once or twice, he, he would yeah. remember it. He was better than me. I, I, three times I remember it. I reckon if he if he did it once, maybe twice he'd remember it. Any kind. So he picked up a size sense his cutter, boom, like that. And then he'd make another one. Yeah. So like for keeper cans, a good a good a good example. Yeah. yeah. say only mentioned keeper can in passing, oh. and and said that there was there was five of them. There was a yeah. set of five. And, uh, and then Asai Sensei, Kato Sensei, created them all. Right. Oh, and, then, and then, later on, after Asai Sensei passed away, we found out that he had taught Kibaken to a few people. And I, I and he saw one of them was the Yamaguchi Takeshi from the JKS. And I learned it from him. I learned Kibaken. Who was that again? Yamaguchi, Yamaguchi Senpai. Oh, Yamaguchi Senpai, okay, yeah, yeah. And, um, and, and then the next thing I see is that, like, it'd been on, it, someone put it on video, Kato Sensei had learnt it, and then all the five that he had created, that one that Asai Sensei created, or had, became yeah. Kibaken Shodan, and all the others were bumped up. So Shodan become, because he'd invented Kibaken, and so they all got pumped up. Shodan became Nidan and blah, blah, blah. And, and Junro, uh, uh, Kibaken Godan became Kibaken Super Empe or something like something like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. And, uh, but he just like, mother kata. Yeah, yeah. Amazing, you know. And, and what was remarkable was that the, the Kibaken that Asai Sensei taught and the Kibaken, I didn't see them all, but I saw a few, the Kibaken that Kato Sensei had created were thematically similar. Mm. And, and so Asai Sensei must have mentioned it in passing. And then Asai, uh, Kato Sensei went bing, 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 and created. Like fairly amazing, really. Yeah, no, he, was, he was like a true maverick, wasn't he? He was like a, a wild card. So yeah. you, you, how old are you when you went to Japan? And tell us about that because it's a good story. Well, okay, before, before I tell you that, the only thing I would say, though, is about that um, is that is that when the problem with that is, because Kato Sensei was A, naturally talented, you know, that's why he was naturally talented, and B, this kind of kata genius. So he created loads of kata and was good at them all. 
Yeah. And then within the group, his group, that I would I would argue from an outside point of view, it then became about how many kata you knew. Yes. Than, yeah, rather than how good you are at the kata. Yeah. And so I think it, in many ways it then became self-defeating. Yeah. Like this is long after I left him, long after I went to Japan and JKS and all that kind of stuff. Like looking from the outside, I think it became a little bit self-defeating that, that his group then morphed into uh, a very kata-dominant uh, group where you had to just learn... I don't know, 50, 60, 70, 100 kata, you know? You're not training kata, aren't they, as well? Yeah, but like, but like, you know, you get spend so many time, so much time just learning the patterns, they actually forget that it's supposed to be physical training. Oh, and it becomes yeah. mentally exhausting rather than it's physically exhausting. It's thing as well, isn't it? Because they go, well, by the way, I, you know, don't you know you're on now? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, um, yeah. So I went to Japan, yeah, in, um, how, old how old? I was, uh, I was 19, so I took a year out between A-levels uh, and university, and so I was, uh, was I 19, 18? Is, uh, yeah, I was 19, 19. So it was uh, 1992. Yeah, it was 1992. I started university in the, in the autumn, and I went in the summer. Um, and I, yeah, I was really naive, and... I didn't drink. I I had didn't drink. no. I didn't drink until <laughs> university. <laughs> I didn't drink okay. until twenty twenty one, wasn't it? Did you drink uh, when you came back? <laughs> no, no. I, I actually my first pint, my first pint of lager was in Japan. Oh, oh! Basically, handed me this this pint of kidding and drink. I was like, oh, okay. <laughs> I like trying to sort it out. Um, I mean, it was, it was, there was three, there was four of us that went, Kato Sensei and, uh, and three, three students, me and two others. And the other two were a father and son, uh, combination. And, um, and he, he used to do this every year, similar to what we do, right? Uh, every year he would take a group of, of people to Japan. And, and before then it would have been, it'd been kind of, you know, lots of people, um, you know, like a dozen would go with him or 20 or, you know, uh, whereas there's only three. And I, I think, I think I might be right in saying that there wasn't many after me. Maybe that was even the last where he, he took a group to Japan. It was really the tail end. Um, because I think he did, like he cost me £2,250 for, wow. it, was, it was slightly less than a month. Yeah. And uh, we went by Aeroflot. And yeah. we didn't stay in hotels. We stayed in his uh, family, friends, kind of uh, spare rooms. Uh, most of the time, we were if we went out eating. We would go out eating with uh, with the local dojo, which who seemed to kind of pick up the tap and stuff. So uh, he he, he, made, he said he made money out of it, but you know that's fine because he, he looked after us and it was. But it was it was towards the end of that kind of era that he was doing those trips. And, and it was it was amazing. Like it was it was we were training six hours a day, six days a week. I remember all my all my arms were red raw, both there and there, from punching so much, just the chaffing of the of the dirty at Tokaido heavyweight in the middle of August in Japan. And like the first night we arrived, we flew into Narita and then we got the the, the Shinkansen, the bullet train. 
right the way down to Shikoku. And we had like two or three days in Shikoku. And we arrived, I remember we arrived in a, in Kochi train station. And blah, the heat hits you, you know, like it was so humid. Yeah. August, beginning of August of 91. And, uh, and there's a guy with, with a car waiting for us. And we stuff our kind of uh, rucksacks, luggage, driver into the back of the car. And he drives and we go to this restaurant. And there's a group of other guys waiting for us you know and the, and uh and the, they're all speaking japanese and it's just us three westerners kind of like going what the, what the hell are we doing you know and they all had massive knuckles on them you know and like all rounded features and, and like there was just fish tanks everywhere and i was like i i have never been away outside the country without my mom you know like what am i doing here you know? The plob and the way and the talking and we're jet lagged and I have no idea what time it is. And then this massive platter of of sashimi, raw fish arrives, bomb right on the middle of the table. <laughs> and, and, and the uh, at the centerpiece is this kind of flat fish kind of place type thing, right? And what the chef has done is is got that flat fish which was in one of the tanks two minutes ago, yeah. and cut all its meat off chop yeah. the meat up and put the meat back on the fish without damaging any of its internal organs so the fish is still alive oh, and it's going yeah that's very definitely picking the flesh off it and eating it and I'm like welcome to Japan <laughs> yeah welcome to Japan so um, yeah it was it was it was a crazy experience like but also I mean I mean what did you make of the karate there I mean you've done loads of karate I mean you know, I probably know your answer, but you know, you're, 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 you're the Japanese again. You did karate in Japan. It's how did that affect you? With they're just like oh, oh well. No, it was great. It was great. And what I found was, I mean, it was like back in the early nineties, right? So it was a little bit different. But what I found was like, you know, you go to a dojo in the West, and and maybe there would be. 10 black belts, maybe not even then back in the day, right? But say there was 10 black belts and one of them would be really good. You go to, yeah. like, you go to dojos all over with, uh, like subsequently, like not so much before I went to Japan, but after I went to Japan at university, I'd travel around the country with Kato Sensei. You go to any any random dojo, 10 black belts, one is going to be fairly handy. You go kind of watch stuff with that guy. In Japan, you go to the dojo, there's 100 black belts. <laughs> yes. Yeah. And... Yeah maybe at least 10, at least yeah. 10%, or probably more like 20, 30% more, 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 are really good. Yeah. And also, Kazu Sensei gave much sleep, didn't he? He's famous. He's, I've read things about his trips, and like, he just constantly no sleep, really. Yeah. Come on, we go. That's yeah. it. Oh, Pack your bag and then go. Yeah. So, I mean, last bit for this yeah. question, it just, does Kazu Sensei have a legacy? Um, you, don't, you don't need to answer that I can tell that's a shame I don't know like I'd like to I'd like to think yes but you know I mean like some of his top students Alan Campbell head of the JKS in, um, in England a great karate guy um, me uh, you know he, the IJK now he uh, yeah you in Eastern Europe on that Say again. He seems to sort of take refuge in Eastern Europe, didn't he? Bulgaria. Yeah, and, yeah, and I don't know so much because like that all happened after I left his group and so. But I hear that a couple of the guys in Eastern Europe are really good, and so yeah, the legacy there. Um, I, I don't know about uh, 
Takato, the guy who's now the head of the JK, IJK, head of his yeah, group. Very uh, young, isn't he? He's a young guy, yeah, but like seems dynamic and flexible, so I, I don't know. Japanese? Uh, yeah. Yeah, so I don't know. I don't know. I mean, I mean, I, I, you know, I, mean, I, I think you said, but I mean, I, I know, you know about Kato. I mean, really... uh, one thing I would say about um, that trip to Japan, though, um, and certainly Kato Sensei was, was connected and really did open doors. I mean, the, the reason why I went back to Japan in no small way because because of that trip. Um, but like we went to we went to a uh, a summer gashiko summer training camp with East Fire Dojo, which is a oh, dojo. Yeah, yeah, yeah Naka's Dojo. I didn't know it was Naka's Dojo. I didn't even know who Naka was. <laughs> Mr. Middle. And, uh, <laughs> yeah, and uh, and so we went we went to the the Chiba and uh, and the dojo was fantastic. It was like this like massive dojo with sliding doors on one side and you open the sliding doors and you're straight up to the beach. And, oh really? Wow. Yeah, it was fantastic. And uh, and it was we did I think we did like four or five days at that camp. Uh, again six hours a day. And uh, and then the last day this tall for Japanese standards tall guy, young tall guy arrived and uh, and it's uh, Kato Sensei and Asano Sensei who was Obviously not the the English Asano Sensei, but Asano Sensei uh, was was teaching the camp mostly, and um, and this guy just the old Japanese guy just jumped in the line, and, and I remember pairing up with him, and he could move. He was really really good, but he was one of the few guys that like he would let you you'd uh, like try things out. He's like, okay, try this. And, oh yeah, that was good, and he spoke a little bit of English, and I was like, oh, nice guy, nice guy. And afterwards, like, oh, who's that? You know. Oh yeah, that's Naka Sensei. He's just won the All Japan Championships, so he's the latest. I, I, I think Naka Sensei is a breath of fresh air, and you know he's yeah. a future JKA. Yeah, he's yeah. My one thing about the Kato Sensei and his group was, I was KGB, and like you know, it, you know, very ignorance is bliss, and I just thought we're good. And then I met Alan and you guys, and I thought, why are these guys so good? <laughs> you know, and like because you know, and then you were doing JKA karate. Yeah, you know, which I've done some JKA, but you're doing even more JKA interactive with me. And yeah. then all these patterns came out, and I thought, why don't I know about this? I was sort of, sort of angry. It was just it was yeah. like this new world. Yeah, well, because you yeah. don't know. I remember the courses. I was in London, comedy thing. There was courses in York with Keith Gullen and all them. Yeah. I read yeah. about the Python Artemis, Yahara Sensei, Kagawa Sensei, uh, the Yamaguchi Senior Sensei, Asai Sensei. I thought, why didn't they go on then? <laughs> I did at the time, but then I thought, when well, yeah, I was busy and I had a job, blah, blah, blah. But it was like, you know, I was there, you should have come. Yeah, well, there is another, you know, I mean, it was like for me, it was, there was an other show to come. Yeah, yeah. Which is, again, which is, you know, just, you know, shows when you're in your bubble. Yeah. And, and you just get, I just thought, you know, Katie, we were the best practice. You know? Yeah. Right, well, should we have one more question each? Because we've been going on for an hour, so we don't want to bore people too much. Yeah, well, they've all gone anyway. One more question, they've One more question. Uh, yeah. Do you want to, one more question, do you want to, shall I ask your question? Oh, yes, I'll ask you a question, because you... Oh, yeah, I'll just ask you one, yeah? Okay, here's one. All right, go on. No, uh, I, I recently I've been thinking a lot about this and trying to kind of devise an article, so I'm going to ask you the question, and then I'll, if you, if you give me a good answer, I'll, I'll write that and claim it's mine. Uh, but so I've been thinking about a lot about legacy and uh, the legacy of uh, of 
the organization like JKA basically. I mean, like, like that's what I'm talking about. So, like, what's the legacy of the JKA, both on a technical level and also like an organizational level? So, what I've been thinking about is, is like for sure, there's a there's a legacy of that kind of uh, draconian absolutism that you find often within. Um, JK karate. I don't want to kind of like uh, down you know, trans JK, but you know, like within some JK karate. And gatekeepers of karate. Say again. The gatekeepers of karate. Yeah, um, and and also the not only in technical uh, ability or technical information, but also in the structural organizational approach to to karate. So that chief instructor and pyramid top-down kind of like hierarchy that obviously demonstrably doesn't work because you know organizations like that are imploding all over the world so my my question is what what do you think about the, the legacy it's, it's a difficult one i mean gosh like you say that old model doesn't work uh, and it's inevitable in any organization there'll be splits and splits are natural and going your own way is natural and that's good and you know don't be draconian that's the problem you know mm. so the jka how much as i mean we, i love the, the idea of the jka but i think you know the modern jka is like it's terrible yeah. you know and i know i know people friends of mine who are really good at karate who've been totally totally crushed by them and um so they haven't nurtured anyone and they've just become a corporation so yeah. don't become a corporation you know and i mean I, you know, and also if you look at i don't know there's, there's another group which have supreme she hands and international she hands and all these titles you know and they just have this it's a hierarchy of hierarchy which is all based on money yeah so it's you know what if it goes back to quality do quality let people fly and you know good will happen yeah and let them be their own people and people will go and you've got to let them go with good grace yeah i think that's what it is and you know the more it's like terrorism the more the more you suppress people the more you knock people down mm. the more the more conflict you get yeah so uh, i don't know i mean i'm, I'm gonna probably shouldn't i'm not gonna mention names but i know people say in uh, in the kgb who are you know who were fantastic and were basically just treated like you know club instructors yeah and yeah. so you know treat people well and then if they fly let them go with good grace yeah and that's again that's kind of you know don't have any ego really but it's not it's not the scott langley Crash association yeah yeah, yeah you know sure. it's, not, it's not you and me's association we want yeah. people we want to give people wings and fly and yeah. if they make mistakes you know well, that's okay we all make mistakes yeah. But, you know, I suppose, you know, I'm trying not to avoid slogans, but, you know, it's a niche, you're following a path, you're following in the way. You want yeah. people to do good stuff, don't you? As yeah. long as they're doing good stuff, we're happy. And it doesn't have to be the stuff that you do. Yeah. Or it doesn't have to be the stuff that someone did in 1972. Yeah. You know, otherwise there's no future. And, you know, it's a HCKI in, in 25 years, if, you know, hopefully it still exists, will have nothing to do with us at all. Yeah, yeah, for sure. You know, I've just been reading Funikoshi's uh, book again, Koyahan, and he changed all the names of the catas a bit. And he goes, this is fine. I'm sure people will change the catas' names again. 
there's nothing set in stone, no dogma. Yeah. It, it's and yeah, I read I was quite surprised. I know I've, I've got it there. I've got it. Yeah. I've, I've got it here. I just just read it again just now right. because I've yeah. But I'll, I'll maybe next week I'll, I'll quote it for you. But has has catches is a living artist. Changes all the time. And yeah. doesn't belong. Doesn't belong to no one has ownership of Bratton. Mm. So the JKA doesn't own Bratton. Yeah. I think they thought they did. And what's interesting, maybe, is again going back to Kunikoshi. He said he didn't do so short of that. He said he did oh. karate. Yeah. So we would say, much as we, you know, as we're all not interested in, in kata competitions, in Japan, there's more and more people are just doing karate now, aren't they? Mm. So do you remember we did Wado when we yeah. went the Wakai? There's some guy doing Anan or something. Yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. And when we changed Shizumi Sensei, and then we, we did Siunchin, there was a, I thought people were doing more and more just karate. It may yeah. be a little bit karate, but I quite like, you know, I, I quite like that. Yeah. Does, does that answer the question? Absolutely, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Cool. Yeah, yeah. I mean, again, the last thing I'll say is that, you know, say Kanazawa Sensei was absolutely fantastic. But, you know, if people still keep on doing Kanazawa Sensei until, the, you know, it, it will just become moribund and dead. And I'm yeah. sure Kanazawa Sensei wouldn't want that. Really. Yeah. You know? Right, I've got two questions for you here. Uh, two? Okay. Well, no, because no, I've got loads of them. I'll save one next time. You know what? Let's do, let's do, tell me about Asai Sensei then. Is that all right? The other one? <laughs> Asai Sensei. Oh, uh, another one if you don't want that one. Okay, uh, save that one for next time then. Oh, okay, I thought so. Okay, this is this is this is this is, this is, this is a trickier one now. So this okay. is a, so you and me are very confident, and yeah. I think some people can see that as confidence or perhaps a little bit of arrogance. And uh, I think I think you, as a professional comedian, I sort of feel no desire to have to be funny all the time like I used to have to be. So I, I, I what's the question? This is a question. So. It's a question about shugyo, hard training. Yeah. So you meet lots of people who talk to you, and I've been with you when people talk to you as something, you know, they're on a, they're equal with you, on a par with you, and they know absolutely nothing about karate. How do you tolerate fools? Is that a good question? I don't know. Oh, back to a size, is it? Uh, that'd be an easy <laughs> question. Um, yeah. You know what I mean? I mean, it's a bit no, like... No, I see what you mean. I'm just trying you to... Uh... Wear it lightly. You wear your talent lightly. You know, and... Yeah. I on. think... I think... Well, first of all, I think I think there's this whole postmodernism yes. where everyone thinks that their, their opinion is of equal merit. That's what I'm telling you. Yeah, which I, I think is um, an issue that affects many, many different kind of fields of life here whether you think you know like i've just had a i'm on the board of management for my daughter's school and like you know like as a parent you know like i'm I'm one of two parents on the board of management and because they want our opinion but often i'll defer to the teachers well you're the teacher you're the professional although i'm a qualified teacher and i teach professionally but like not in that circumstance and uh and so you're you're the you know you're the professional. What do you think? Okay. Uh, yeah. Whereas maybe some of the other people, the other person on the board of management, none of their opinion. Oh, this is my opinion. Yeah, um, yeah. And, uh, and you see that an awful lot. Yeah. 
I think. And I think it's really, it's really kind of limiting for people to, to think that they know what they're talking about. Yeah. Uh, and at the same time, the, the reason why postmodernism uh, kind of developed, if that's the word, is because a lot of people were subjugated and, and, and denied access and opportunity just because they weren't, you know, from the correct ethnic minority or they didn't go to the right school or, you know, they didn't wear the necktie, blah, blah, blah. So there's a whole host of reasons why, like, opportunity and, uh, and equality is a really important thing. But sometimes it can go too far and then even the experts are put on the same kind of level as normal people. And, you know, right. Mike Gove saying, what do we need with experts? Or, you know, what have you said during the Brexit thing? Um, and so there's this really kind of really bad consequences of allowing that kind of uh, train of thought or that, that way of looking at things where, well, I have an opinion, therefore it's of equal merit. And that's really, uh, it, there's a really kind of negative downside to having that thought process. So um, how do I sort of fools so lightly? I think... I, I think I often just kind of remember why that, that's come about. Like, within going back to the karate context, the reason why there's a whole host of eight dance nowadays yeah. who are calling themselves, you know, Sidoshi or Hanshin or whatever they call themselves, uh, is because, because for a generation or two before then, people were subjugated and pushed down and told that they were no good and given no value. And so if they now feel that that helps them give them value, so be it. Because the one thing that they don't do by elevating the, their opinion to, a, to whatever level, that doesn't mean that it pushes my opinion down. It doesn't mean that it pushes my ability down. If they want to elevate it up, that's fine. That's, that's what they're doing. But yeah. it doesn't affect me whatsoever. And so... You know, it's like it's like I often look to think about kind of happiness. A lot of people, a lot, of, a lot of people don't want to be happy. They just want to be relatively happy. They don't want to be happy. They just want to be happier than the person next door. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so people don't similarly. People don't want to be clever. They just want to be more clever than than that guy. They don't want to be. They don't want to have high status. They just want to be have a higher status than that guy. And so, I don't buy into that. I don't want to be happier than my next door neighbor. I just want to be happy. I don't want to be better than my next door neighbor. I just want to be good. And so if someone is elevating themselves to, I'm really good at karate, well, that's great. Good for you. Call yourself, you know, eighth dan, shidoshi, whatever you want to call yourself. Because I'll focus on my karate and I'll think that my karate is good as well. It doesn't affect me whatsoever. So that's, that's how I kind of just go, yeah, okay, all right, mate. Fine, no worries. Yeah, no, I, I admire you, dude. I, I think also, you know, it's a bit like karate's changed. Like, so in, in that, if you started karate in 1974, mm. every karate club, wado, anyone, kung fu, jiu-jitsu, it would all be hard. It would yeah. all be mad, stupid, bunny hops, jumping on your stomach. That's yeah. what was karate was. So that we all have that image to be good at karate those days. That's tough and fit and mm. a bit bonkers. And then now the image of, you know, and like nobody would ever dream of being like an eight now. Yeah. You know, I mean, my first KGB book went to third down, you know, and that, that was it. That was it. I, remember, I remember filling it up in the audience. I was like, wow, I've filled the book up. You know, <laughs> never, 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 yeah, it never kicked me on, though. 
So again, the yeah. press has changed. Oh yeah, yeah, we, no, nobody was third down. You know, when yeah. Terry O'Neill was third down, Andy Sherry was fourth down. You know, yeah. that was like as high as you went. So it, it's just nowadays that, in, you know, everyone has an opinion. Everyone, you know, people have that license. In those days, you didn't have a license. You know, in those days, unless you were like a bit mad and like covered in bruises and, and like really fit, you got that you were good at correcting. I mean, yeah. that's no good either, but that's just the, the way it was. But now people can, you know, people have that license, partly because you said, because they had nowhere to go. Yeah. Suddenly it flowered out and everybody suddenly go, you come, it's like the Catholic Church. Everyone followed Rome. Then Martin Luther banged those things on the wall and suddenly, yeah. whoa, you know, everyone went. But, you know, and that's to, great, uh, and that's good. You know? But to, uh, to bring this whole conversation full circle, you know, people have an innate ability to recognise quality. As was the thesis of Zen and the moving of the Ottoman. I mean, you, 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 when you see people, you know if, if they have any, if their credit is any good or not. Yeah. You found, you found Rick Hot, you found, you know, I remember you telling me I found this guy, and Rick was a great example of someone who's got yeah. quality. And then yeah. I took you to Rick Jackson's Sensei Dojo, yeah. and you go, yeah, this is the guy. You know, yeah. and it's like, you know, you have to be kind to blind men. I mean, sometimes people, Live in that bubble and live in that. Well, there's nothing you can. There's nothing you can change about that yeah. because they live in live in that world. And you know, as Marcus Aurelius says, do not concern yourself with things that are not important. Yeah. Well, on that note, there you go. Good end, wasn't it? <laughs> You're just clever. You are. That was smart ass. Confident. That was a good smart ass. Yeah. Okay. Thank you, Simon Sensei. We okay. shall do this again. If, uh, if people like watching it, we will do <laughs> Two likes, 47 not likes, no one watches. Thank you. Two, three, 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 two